So before we start this week's podcast, I just wanted to have a shout out to one of our reviewers, Leighton. So him and Damon are doing a 24-hour gaming marathon starting on Saturday the 19th of March at 11am. That's UK time. They are supporting Macmillan Cancer Support and they'll be streaming throughout Twitch and you can find their Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash smogvids and that's S-M-O-G-V-I-D-S so if you want to donate to them you can go to their Just Giving page which is justgiving.com slash Leighton hyphen Sutherland or you can text by texting LSDA70 and the amount you wish to donate to 70070 so good luck to Leighton and Damon and hopefully we'll raise a lot of money for Macmillan Cancer Support so thank you and on with the show And we're back with the 1UP Gaming Podcast. This week we've got a special guest. So I guess if you just want to introduce yourself and just say what you do, please. Hi, I'm Stephen Kabelgaard-Groning. I'm the CEO at Bellardwolf and the game director. I'm one of the two co-founders who founded the game company five years ago. We are located in Denmark. Um, we're a semi-big indie team of uh, around 14, 15 people. Um, and we've been that kind of from the start. We have a pretty crazy startup story um, where we kind of lived illegally at a university for a long time and uh, and then got thrown out and moved together in a house and lived there for a year and then based on a almost uh, non-successful Kickstarter, we barely made it and, uh, and moved to Copenhagen where we could then finalize our first game, which was Forced, and that was then a, a pretty decent success, which... Uh, made it possible for everyone to finally find apartments and, uh, and and live a more regular life. So, yeah, that is quite odd. Uh, yeah. So how long were you actually at the university before you basically got kicked out? Uh, we managed to be there for seven, eight months uh, before uh, we were kind of uh, found. We uh, were living in a at a university locale that was like really far, uh, or kind of hidden at the university. It's like a super, super big one with three different campuses basically sharing the, the office buildings. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, different locales that you can use. And, and we were so lucky as to find one that for some reason wasn't being used for a whole semester. And when the new semester started, uh, or a month into it or so, they realized that we were there and then they were pretty shocked and we were thrown out. <laughs> so, you say that the company started about five years ago? Yeah. And so how long was it before the first game was released, Fast? That was almost three years, like a little less than three years. Uh, so it's uh, two and a half years ago or so. 
And was that a similar game to what Forced Showdown is, or is it a bit more stripped back? Um, it's pretty different. So Forced Showdown is not a sequel, but it sort of uh, continues in the universe and uh, with the controls uh, and stuff like that. Uh, Forced was a very co-op um, focused game, and it was more like a linear thing where you would go through a set amount of... Uh, uh, challenges or levels, if you may, kind of like a Ma Mario setting where you have to complete certain worlds and so on, and uh, and then you're basically done when when yeah when you're done with that. And uh, Force Showdown is more like a roguelike. Uh, it's Force was hard, but this is also super hard, and there's more randomness in it. Uh, and then the huge new thing is that it, it's uh, it's combined with deck building, so it's like a Binding of Isaac combined with Hearthstone. Uh, thing, which is, yeah, so it's very much different than the first force, but you control your characters in the same way, and it's building on the same law, uh, yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, with this game, it's like a twin-stick sort of shooter, like the control-wise. Yeah. I mean, is it control pad enabled, or do you have to use mouse and keyboard? You can use both. Uh, but yeah, it is. It looks a bit like I guess Diablo or something when you look at it. But it's uh, it's it's a little more twin stick tense. Uh, you have to dodge attack much much more while you're shooting and uh, and using your abilities and so on. So it's like a it's a yeah a more hectic Diablo aim thing with the MOBA ish skills. Like you have these uh, your basic attack and three different skills, and it's up to you to sort of utilize them uh, the best way possible. Besides uh, your inventory and so on. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not really a, a PC gamer. I've never really got into that sort of scene. And I my mind doesn't work with the mouse and keyboard. Okay, yeah, well, it's uh, perfectly, perfectly fine to play it with a controller. And so is Force One as, as well, which is also at the... Uh, it's out on Xbox and the PlayStation. Right. So, will it be coming day and date on the the Xbox and PS4, or, or will it be like a few months down the line? Uh, Showdown uh, hasn't been announced for uh, consoles yet. Ah. Well, you said yet, so I guess it will be sometime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it will, yeah. But right now it's more for, uh, for Steam, and, and you can use your uh, your controllers there if... Yeah, if that's what people prefer. And, I mean, I have given the game a quick try. I think it was like uh, an early alpha of the game. And okay. I can say, yes, it is extremely hard. <laughs> yeah, it probably is, yeah. Especially if you're not like, if you played it with a mouse and keyboard and you're not used to that, then that should be hard, yeah. Because, I mean, this is how weird my sort of mouse and keyboard phobia is. I played a game, I think it was Orion, like their sequel to it, it's like a top-down twin-stick shooter. And I actually Ryan? used the, the joypad's analog stick to move my character, but the mouse to aim and fire. Yeah. Which was quite weird when people saw that. But I, I just can't use the the WASD sort of buttons on the on the actual keyboard but anyway let's get back to Forced Showdown 
So I believe it'll... Uh, I'm looking at the website now and it says it's due out on the 29th of this month, 29th of March. Yeah, correct, yeah. And do you have like a, a price for this game? It will be uh, 20, 20 bucks. Right, so I guess for us in the UK that'll be about £15, something like that. Uh, we're just using uh, Steam's like uh, suggested prices, so I'm actually not completely yeah. sure what it will be in pounds. So, what is some of your favourite characters that are in the game? Mm, it's probably Volko, which is like this uh, fire hammer wielding uh, gladiator. Um, I think he has some good synergies skills-wise, and is uh, really interesting in terms of his uh, the depth in his attacks. He has this basic attack where he charges up his hammer, but it can help hit multiple targets at the same time. So you have to really align the, the enemies while you're charging, and I think that makes a, a re- some interesting play scenarios. Right. So you say it's got like deck-building mechanics in the game. Yeah. Um, are these just to that give you special abilities or increased stats, things like that? Uh, yeah, you would say that. You can, you can do a lot of different things with them. There's three different types of cards. There's your upgrades, uh, which... So basically the game consists of small matches you play where you have to go through three arenas that are randomly generated with different enemies and so on based on what world you are in. And at the end of those, if you manage to get there, there's a boss. And if you complete that, then you've basically completed a, a match, so to say, um, and during this match, all the upgrade cards you play uh, remain, but after the match, it's the wipe and, uh, and you play upgrades again in a new match. So that's one of the types of cards. And then there's consumables, uh, which you, you play, and then you get, a let's say, a pack of grenades, and then you can use them, uh, let's say, four times or whatever the card says. Um, and the last one is spells, and those are like more strategic. It could be like play uh, play a spell that uh, reduces all your cards in the hand by one mana in this round, and then you have to utilize that uh, smartly, kind of like what you do in Hearthstone and so on. Um, so you have to like it's totally up to you how you build your deck and how you enter uh, the the campaigns. Um, and uh, yeah, there's lots of ways to go about it. You can, for instance, build a deck that's really focused on a companion. You bring a companion into the game always, and uh, you can play uh, uh, cards that, for instance, creates a beam between you and, uh, and your companion, and then uh, play cards that makes it uh, live for a long time, or whenever you take damage, your companion is healed, and uh, you can make different interesting synergies. And because of the card mechanics, and there's so many cards, there's so many like ways to go about it uh, that you have to learn over time and experiment with. Right, and so the game itself, it'll be out on the 29th, and I've just had a quick look at the Steam sort of page, and you've been getting a few positive reviews. Is that always nice to see as a, a developer? Uh, positive reviews are always nice yeah. to see. Yeah, <laughs> every single one makes makes you happy. Yeah, uh, but I think uh, uh, I think the reviews are only positive because uh, we had an accident where it was uh, 
showing up as released or something, uh, a Steam accident, and Steam correctly uh, quickly corrected it. But I think in in that those few seconds or something, so the beta testers we have had the possibility to write reviews and they did so. So you can't write a review now, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but it looks good now. <laughs> right. So, how long have you yourself been within the, like basically being a developer? Mm, I haven't had any prior experience besides this company as we started out while being students, so it's uh, pretty accurately a little more than five years. So this game has basically been about two years in development. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fairly accurate. And do you know well? What do you know? Like the the engine that you're using is it like an Unreal Engine or one that you guys have built yourself? It's Unity. Unity. Yeah. That's so with Unity. Will you be trying to release it on, say, iPads and all the other mobile devices, or will it stay as, like, desktop sort of based? No, I think we'll do consoles, but probably not handheld devices. Right. And I will say that I mean, my PC is not the best, but it looked really nice even on my PC. The characters a really got a real nice sort of art style to them and the backgrounds it's not just what I would call like the the browns and greys it's actually got a bit more colour and more vivid animation to them I'm glad to hear that uh, was it running okay on your computer or when it first loaded when it comes into the close up it had a bit of slowdown but after it panned out it worked fine okay well that's good to know yeah, we have focused a little on optimization lately, but uh, yeah, it's always hard when it's 3D and, and you want to show a lot of cool, fancy effects and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I know for, like, I've played a lot of games and it's within the last couple of months when it it's almost an unplayable mess and then it just all pulls together towards the end. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. So, the game, will you be doing any sort of competitions or offering any sort of prizes for anything to people or will you just try to launch the game and then see how it does basically? Um, we have planned like, uh, also if you look at our website, there's like this big countdown for, uh, for a secret reveal. And uh, that's kind of a, like our main uh, thing towards the release. It's a it's a thing that starts six six uh, days before release, and it's basically a really unique way to launch a game. Uh, of course, I can't reveal yet what it is, but it's probably something that people never have seen before, and it's kind of a, like uh, that's that's a interesting way to do it. I think people will think. Um, and then it will launch, and uh, and then yeah, there will be some competitions and stuff like that. We have uh, so it's mainly a single player game, but that's uh, kind of like there are in a lot of roguelikes there are uh, there are dailies that you compete in, kind of 
for instance, Belonghi and Barney Weissach has dailies, and you compete in them to see who's who's actually the best at co- at the at completing the the whatever generated challenge there is uh, on this particular day. And we've kind of imp- I would say improved on that by making uh, dailies and different dailies and even seasons, so uh, people can compete every month to see who gets the best uh, ten daily scores. Uh, and then we are uh, working with sponsors to uh, to sponsor uh, prizes and so on every season, which is basically every month, to uh, to make it even more interesting to win and uh, and stuff like that. And every day the dailies will be quite varied, so that's also where it's boosted even more by the deck building, which makes it a little interesting because it's uh, it's about going in and checking out what's what's in this daily and then trying to build a deck that fits it. Um, so that that's almost a little bit of puzzle solving. Uh, yeah, so I think that would be pretty interesting. And just wondering, do you have any sort of DLC planned down the line? Yeah, uh, we are basically considering our game uh, or the release like an early access release just with a game that's basically done and then we will uh, do a lot of free uh, updates and potentially also some paid uh, updates, uh, of course. Uh, but those will be bigger ones. So it's so that's definitely the plan. Yeah, uh, we've all, we've had the game uh, in a closed beta for uh, almost a year, I think, maybe even more than a year, where we had uh, a couple of thousand players help us uh, tweak it and uh, and come with suggestions and so on. We've made like 45 updates for them or so during that. Uh, period and we plan on continuing with that so we kind of have the flow and how we update and the whole menu system and so on is geared towards updates and news and so on so it's it's not going to be a, a, a ship and forget kind of uh, situation so do you think that you guys will continue with the first showdown as it is like in sequels or do you think you'll stay within the universe but change the actual gameplay mechanics for the next sort of game within that universe yeah I think we are super happy with the, with like gladiators and that setting and all the flexibility it adds and uh, we are really happy about the character we developed in this game called Caesar and I think we will continue with this like lore and, and universe in other games kind of like what you could say what Mario does, where there's lots of different Mario games, racing and Smash Brothers and traditional platforming and so on. I think we'll continue with that uh, uh, in different ways and, and utilize um, all the things that we kind of know, know about uh, this type of game and the story and law and so on and, and build on that instead of uh, starting new uh, universes all the time. And looking at the artwork on the actual site, some of the art is really nice. Was that internal, or did you get external art sort of people to do it? Uh, we've done everything ourselves, actually. So yeah, that's that's ourselves. You can see this <laughs> obvious inspiration from uh, a lot of people. For instance, like Blizzard at the office, and, uh, and I think you can see that. And there's also some other inspirations, but hopefully also some like uh, our personality added to to it as well. So, is there anything that you can say about the game that no one knows about? 
That's what's that? Funky question. It's not released, so I guess a lot of people have no clue about a lot of things in the game. <laughs> uh, yes, I don't really know what that would be. Is there any sort of hidden Easter eggs in the game then? Ah, uh, there's like a really, uh, like, there's some deep progression with a quest system in the game, and uh, and some of those quests are formulated a bit like riddles. So you have to be smart, but there's only a few of them, and I guess that's a little Easter eggish. And then we've also hidden like some developer signatures and so on uh, in the game that that's probably a little hard to find. So yeah, I guess that's Easter eggs. So, looking at the the actual the backgrounds of the game, I can see there's one looks a bit like like kind of like a haunted sort of housey sort of graveyardy sort of thing. One looks a bit like a wild westy sort of thing, and the other one's like a bit of a green grass with like statues and monuments sort of on. Uh, and yeah, where are you looking? Uh, uh, the Steam page? I'm just on your website with the screenshots to download. Sort ah, of. yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, on here, I can see one that looks a bit more futuristic. Um, it's like all, I think, red. I'm not sure I'm colorblind, but it looks red. Um, Will you be doing more like varied backgrounds, or will you be sticking to like three or four sort of styles and just changing them up every now and again? Uh, no, there will be really varied uh, uh, backgrounds. So, so uh, background-wise, those are like worlds, and each world has uh, lots of uh, individual enemies that are not uh, included in other worlds, um, and in that way, we try to sort of make it tell a story with the world, if that makes sense. So, uh, for instance, one of the worlds is like a flying airship uh, city, so to say, where a lot of rats live. Um, and then you fight on top of these small arenas that the rats have created uh, and, and facing lots of different w uh, rats with uh, sniper rifles and uh, they have engineered small tanks and... and, uh, and uh, some of them uh, has a huge, uh, what's that called, uh, a metal thing with chain to a chain, and then they whirl it around like small fanatics. Uh, so, so that's kind of one of the themes in the world. And then there's the, there's a dungeon, for instance, that's more like traditional with demon types of enemies, and uh, then you have to sort of learn how to, to fight those. Um, the game is kind of divided in, in tiers, so we have. Uh, Worlds divided into levels. We have level one worlds, level two, and level three. And of course, the higher, the harder. Um, and it also we try to express that as well in the in the world. So, for instance, there's like this ghost uh, dungeon you go to where that's really late in the game, where there's a lot of spirits and so on flying around, and you meet uh, huge uh, enemies that are complex, and some of them are invisible and and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's super varied. And in the future. Uh, we will be adding a very, very different setting. We have already made a, a work a lot on it, and um, 
and uh, that's kind of our first planned big DLC, which we're looking forward to add. That will probably be some months after launch or something, or maybe together with consoles. And I just wondered, what exactly is your role within the sort of the game? What have you personally put your hands into? Um, kind of everything except for actually sitting and making, let's say, effects or art and so on. I'm mainly like on a design role, uh, like a, like a game director, if you will. But we have very limited hierarchy, and everybody's like contributing with whatever. But uh, I'm very much into the overall system of the game. So figuring out that it should be like a roguelike, is that a good idea with, with the team and, and okay, let's let's do something crazy, decks uh, should should be interesting to, to do and uh, and then we try to sit and build and talk about the uh, levels and, and enemies that would fit and, uh, and stuff like that. So I'm very much into to the design mainly. And did you have to go through Steam Greenlight or were you able to get it onto Steam proper straight away? Uh, number two, so we didn't have to do a green light. Right, because uh, I know green light's a bit of a hassle. Uh, yeah, it is. That's we fought with that with the first game, but uh, I think it's like it's Steam's way to figure out if, if uh, I guess if you're if you can produce quality uh, and they don't have the time to like micromanage every single application because there's so many developers nowadays. Um, yeah, so it's. It's their way, I guess, to, to figure it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so once you're through, I guess, and you've shown some success, I, I don't think you have to do it again. I mean, I know some developers that were making games back in the, the Mega Drive, SNES sort of era, and they think that because of the physical media that you don't need anymore, it's making games that aren't as good able to get out whereas on the Mega Drive the publisher had to buy say 10,000 blank cartridges so they had to know the game was good before the game was actually out yeah, that makes I'm sense. just wondering as a an indie developer yourself do you think that things have gone too far in the favour of the indie developer? Too far in the favour like making it too easy to be an indie developer, or how do you mean? Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, your game, it looks professional and it plays well, but you go to an average page on the Steam sort of store, and there's a lot of, like, a mobile game with really poorly implemented controls, and it just yeah. looks really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah just wondering, do you think it's too easy for them to get out on, you know, to release things? And I mean, I, you probably won't know the games, but I got sent a couple of games to review on the PlayStation 4. And one of them was in, like an endless runner with yeah. 2D graphics. And the other one was a 3D... Well, a 2.5D sort of game, 3D graphics, where you're a mole, and you've got to fly around the level, pick up boulders and drop it on things. And yeah. it's the most basic game I've ever seen. I, I guess some of, those are, 
some of those are, are probably not indie developers, but like these big free-to-play companies who are pushing everything to every platform and so on. And, and it is a little weird that Steam and, and consoles are opening up to that because like every day there's some free-to-play uh, casual game being distributed on Steam or released on Steam. And, and, and a few years ago, those type of games didn't ever uh, exist on, uh, on on Steam. So, yeah, it's, it's of course a little sad to see your hardcore cool uh, platform like Steam be uh, be over overswamped with the refrigerator play charge. But but the games that they feature and the games that emerge on Steam and so on are rarely these uh, these casualist games, which I think belong more on the on the App Store and so on where they do their thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's super hard uh, thing to solve when there's so many developers and games coming out all the time, and and you kind of have to you kind of have to be a little like a politician about it. What's what's fair to have on your platform and what's not, and so on. And yeah, I can see how Steam has problems with that. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't want to be a downer on the whole thing, but. I mean, I can understand, in a way, it's good that you can actually work as a single person, get your game out, and have something to be proud of. But at the same time, I just think it's a bit of a shame that there is so many games coming out that this, you know, they just should not be able to charge money for some of the games that are actually out on the store. But that's just one of my little pet peeves. I, I guess I kind of agree, and it also, like, it swarms uh, mail lists and makes it harder for, uh, yeah, for I guess slightly more ambitious studios to to get that thing through because any journalist who has existed for a couple of years or a medium big probably gets thirty, forty, I don't know, steam keys sent to their mailbox every day. So, so like the industry has to find other ways to get into the news and so on. Um, it puts it more in the hand of like random viralness and and I guess it's still like a good game usually still does well uh, because it's spread uh, over time but uh, yeah it's a, it's a challenging thing because also your release day is super important uh, to to establish like the overall perception of the game I just looking at the your website again, and I can see the development name. I mean, I just wonder, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Bitter Dwarf. Because if it was American, it'd be Beta Dwarf. But that would also be fine. Us in the UK, it's it, yeah, it's Beta, but it just it just sounds weird when they say Beta when it's not got an you know it hasn't got the two ears. Yeah. But I don't understand their language. So, Stefan, I just want to say thank you very much for coming on. And if you just want to sort of say your sort of like Twitters or any emails or, you know, things like that that people can contact you with. Yeah, uh, like our site, I would really like people to go to is www.forcedshowdown.com and uh, our Twitter handle is at uh, BitterDwarf. And uh, my personal one is at the Boon Lord, like a monkey lord. Um, yes, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> so thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you too, and have a nice weekend.
Thank you. Goodbye. Hey guys, Justin here. I just wanted to say that I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you a lot. Yes, you in particular, in that way. And I wanted to say, I think you're great. I've always said that about you. And I was wondering, if you think we're great, if you could give us a quick rating on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would really, really help us out in that, you know, podcasty sort of way. And if you're feeling particularly festive, perhaps even a little saucy, maybe stop by our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash O-U-G and see if you can't slip a few bucks our way. After all, every little penny or whatever space money they use in Europe helps out the show. Thanks for listening. O-U-G Gaming will always be free, but with your support, we can always move forward and always be better.